0: Welcome to The Milk Bar.
1: Welcome along to episode 591 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on this week's show, Christopher Commander will be back. We're talking about magic this time. We've covered off lots of his work in theatre. We will also be finding out how he's packed theatres with magic tricks and some history of magic and i'm hoping he does a trick for us too that's coming up heidi brown joins us to have a chat about her music she's been busy over the last few months with some virtual online gigging meanwhile she's been writing music too so we'll be talking about uh, some of her forthcoming releases On top of that, Julian Alcock from the Pauline Quirk Academy joins us to talk about the work that they're doing in Wolverhampton, the fact they're back in business in real life as well as their virtual stuff. Plus, they have actually got some virtual workshops and chatting with various schools and getting their pupils ready for the bigger, wider world of the arts and how they can take advantage of some of the great establishments around the UK by finding out more about the work that they're doing and how they should guide their educational experience to make sure they've got what they need when they come to apply there. Also we'll be having a chat with Susie Perry about the release of the 5G iPhone 12 and on top of that we'll be having a nat out with Merlin Griffiths. He will of course know as the mixologist on first dates talking about some of the advantages for business and helping them get through lockdown. That's all coming up on this week's show. Chris Commander joins me now for the Third time in as many months, which, number one, is unusual, but his world is so varied we have a right game fitting it all into one chat. And he joins me now to talk about his world of magic. Hello, sir. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I trust all is well with you.
2: All, all is well. All is chaotic in this current climate, as we've talked
1: about many a time. Welcome. Welcome to, to Chris's half hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a regular spot. Well, I I think that's a great feature. I think that would work particularly well. So, uh, I I, I find you sat in front of some interesting-looking props, which we will come to shortly. However, let's talk a little bit about the world of magic, because uh, I know you initially as a theatre performer, and then you suddenly started up this series, uh, Commander of Magic. So tell me a bit more about how that came about.
2: Um, That came about from a, weirdly enough, a theatre show. We were going to do Romeo and Juliet, because uh, that's and, known for its
1: magic tricks, isn't it?
2: Yeah, yeah. As you know, no. This was this was this was pure acting. <laughs> this is the this the long winded story. This is pure acting. Um, I was cast. Um, we were just ready to start rehearsal. Uh, it was going to be a big long, um, big long show with intense rehearsals with people from all up and down the country. And three days before, well, it was about Thursday, and we were going to start on Monday. And uh, we all got an email saying. Uh, show's been cancelled. Um, that's it, and we all went. Oh, that's that's news because <laughs> we're just about to sign contracts and stuff and all sorts of things, and it was all a bit. Um, it was all a bit suspicious. Mm-hmm. Uh, they told us a few reasons, which were okay reasons, but not from a theatre perspective. One of the reasons was that pre-show ticket sales were down. Um, But we hadn't even started rehearsal yet, and pre-show ticket sales, as you well know, don't really go up until the month of the show or two weeks before. So it was all a little suspicious. Um, Anyway, so I was going to be working with a director, Benjamin Field. Mm -hmm. And uh, we'd met on a previous occasion. I'd seen his Macbeth, and I'd talked to him about it prior. Uh, I'd helped one of the actors do uh, some... Lines because he wasn't quite familiar, as familiar with Shakespeare as I am, uh, and so we'd run some stuff. And he said, "You've got to come see the show." And so I saw his, I saw the Macbeth, and uh, I said, "I have questions. I have <laughs> questions. Uh, it's hard to take my active brain off when uh, I'm watching, especially Shakespeare. For some reason, it's hard for me to uh, let go. <laughs> uh, so I, so I've got, I've got notes. <laughs> Do you think I could talk to Ben?" And my friend said, yeah, he's, he's really, he's lovely. He's really lovely. Go up and ask him. And I was like, well, I've been invited by you to come see your show, but now I've kind of been snuck into the after party just a little bit, and I feel like I'd be a bit of a pest, as one would be, if you just go <laughs> and go, I have notes for you. <laughs> I have questions. Um, and a few weeks later, I was like, I'm, I'm burning to know the answers. These burning questions, I'm I require burning answers for. So uh, I contacted my friend, and he said, seriously, talk to Ben. He's lovely. Talk to him. So I reached out to him, and I said, hey, I've just recently seen your Macbeth, and I've I've got some questions. Um, and he said, come to brunch, and we went to brunch just down the road. And I listed off my uh my my questions. I had a notebook. I felt very uh I felt very bad. Um, uh, he thought that I was trying to, um, seduce him into giving me a part for his next production, which, uh, it turned into a lovely friendship. And, uh, when he was doing Romeo and Juliet, I asked, could I, could I audition? And he said, yes, come and audition. And I auditioned and he graciously gave me the role of Romeo. Uh, and we were all set to start rehearsal. Um, there were people coming from Scotland and London and all over the place. Uh, and then the production got shut down and me and Ben sort of went, Ben reached out to me and he said well now there's this sort of creative void and you know nature abhors a vacuum so perhaps we could do something and i know your love of magic would you like to do a show and i went oh that's that's an interesting uh, prospect and um i said yeah what, what what would we do and he said well how about like a a lecture about magic about Old magic and new magic, and I thought that was that's an interesting idea. But even as a magician, um, I'd find it slightly boring to sit for someone for for ninety minutes and listen to them talk about magic and not perform magic. So I thought, is there a way that we can combine the two? Could we have a history lesson and a magic show and a theatre show all in one? So I wouldn't have to sacrifice any of my loves. So. We devised this piece called The Commander of Magic, uh, and it was going to run for a certain amount of chapters, and it was going to cover 200 years of magic history. The first chapter started in 1846 at the rise of the spiritualist movement with the, with the Fox sisters, and we performed effects that were popular at the time. So that was the idea of the show. Uh, we did a second chapter a year later called The Dangers of Deception, which was all about dangerous magic, and that brought us in to the 1910s, sort of 1920s, we talked about Houdini a little bit, um, and uh, it was going to progress from there. Unfortunately, things happen, life gets in the way, um, I go off and I work in America, I come back, Ben is moving, uh, he's moving to Devon, and um, and we stay in contact, but it's very difficult to rehearse a show and uh, have a concept for a show when we're four hours away from each other. Mm-hmm. So, still a constant process. It's still on our mind. I talked to Ben. In fact, Ben just messaged me now. Um, we just, we just don't have the the. We don't have the venues, and we don't have the the concept yet. We loved some things in chapter one, and some things in chapter two. We're hoping to combine something and make something new out of that material and add some new stuff and um, hopefully make it a tighter show because there were some things I really loved in Chapter 2 and there were some things I really loved in Chapter 1. It's kind of good because Ben loves Chapter 1 more than I do. I love Chapter 2 for some creative different reasons, and that makes me think that in the middle somewhere is a really great show where we can connect uh, and have something that that we're both proud of. Not that we're not proud of either show.
1: And <laughs> I've been to see Chapter One. I'm unfortunately my schedule didn't allow me to see Chapter Two on the uh, occasions that you brought it to the stage. And having seen that, I, I you know I would love to see this. You know, it, it could be an Edinburgh Fringe show. It could be uh, a Channel Four 90-minute special. With if you combine some of this together, it's a really entertaining. Uh, walk through a, a, a world of magic and we're used these days to the likes of David Copperfield taking the news uh, or that other fellow who sits in boxes. Uh, so, you know, the, that, that sort of thing is you know, the, the, the level of magic that we see. But there is still uh, the variety side of it. And, and this was kind of variety of its day, wasn't it? And they, even though a little macabre um, uh, and, and frowned upon in some parts of polite society, the stories that you've told uh, going, going back in time really do bring a, a world to life
2: that's it's lovely to hear, actually, it really is, because that was sort of, that was the concept of the show, that we were stripping away all the really attractive frilly girls and flashing lights, mainly because we couldn't afford them. Uh, <laughs> the, the idea was to strip all that away and just have one guy on stage and have an audience watch that one person, not just perform magic, but tell a story. I think it's really important, uh, there's an old magic proverb that a magic effect, an illusion, is 10% the actual um, trick, the actual method of the trick, and 90% presentation, Mm. and that's really what makes an impact on someone watching magic. It's different if you do a trick and then just leave, and you have no presentation. Uh, Yeah, it's probably an impressive trick, but you could make it it have more of an impact on someone, especially mentally and, and, and their lives and emotionally. Um, if you have something that connects with them in a in a humanistic way, in a in a empathetic kind of way, and that's what we wanted to take people on a journey of through, uh, that they'd actually you know they'd feel something, and we wanted stuff that would touch people, and uh, we didn't want it just to be one guy up on stage, you know, 20 30 feet away. Uh, we wanted that connection because I come from a background of close up magic, so I'm very familiar with being one on one with someone and doing some magic that way. Um, and I didn't wanna lose that. I wanted to have that connection. Um, it's very easy to say, oh, you sawed someone in half on stage, um, but you always have in the back of your mind, well, you know, it happened 30 feet away. Okay, it, there was a trick, there was an effect. I liked to bring, a lot of my show was bring people up on stage with me
1: uh, and do it for everyone. Having been the victim of that and certainly not in on the magic trick, I was genuinely impressed because a lot of the time, if you're doing close-up magic, you've got to be really careful that people don't see what you're doing and see how it works. And having been there and being the, the stooge in the trick, uh, it was really good fun um, and yeah, truly, apparently, magical. So, I mean, it, it is, I think, part of your acting background as well helps you do this because you can play straight-faced when you know inside there's something really clever going on and, and hide the, the, the cleverness uh, because everyone else would probably just look too smug. Yeah, it's tough. There's a there's a
2: there's a there's a there's a hard line to tread with magic. Of, um, I didn't want anyone to come out of that show thinking I was made a fool of. Mm-hmm. Like that's not what I think magic be about. I shouldn't. It shouldn't be the smartest guy in the room is doing tricks for people to make them feel foolish. Mm-hmm. Um, it almost, in a way, the effects are happening at the same time. We are we are having this experience together. Um, and it's tough. It's tough to, to, to tread that line of smugness. Um, and yeah, I think, I think the magic of theater and the theater of magic, they go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, they are both a form of illusion. You suspend your disbelief for the duration of a play.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and same with a, with, a, with a magic trick.
1: Well, I, I came away suitably amazed, which is what I think you were looking for. I was, it worked for me. And I, I say, we, we note uh, surrounding you at the moment, we have some interesting magical-looking props. Uh, so uh, so the, the 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 thing under the sheet is already slightly worrying me. Uh, but uh, w- w- how do you want to play this? What's going to happen now? I, am I once again going to be amazed?
2: I, I mean, I hope so. Let's see how well this goes. Uh, we talked, last time we talked, about doing something over... Um, the interwebs, mm-hmm. so I would think. Um, this is purely because it is now it is now Spooktober, so I thought <laughs> I would have a ghost with me. Um, he's a bit more corporeal than I assumed, but that's <laughs> uh, On the other side of me, I have three envelopes, um, labeled, in fact, one, two, and three. Uh, in two of these envelopes are blank sheets of cards and in one of them is 20 pounds
1: <laughs> right.
2: in the pocket. <laughs> the idea is that you have to try and find the 20 pounds. Um, I have put it in in, in one of these envelopes, uh, and you have to pick which one it is. So um, I'll give you a few seconds to change your mind. We'll do it twice. If right. you get it wrong the first time, uh, we'll do it again a second time. But. Um, what what draws? What number draws? You
1: to? It, it, it's it's a tricky one. Um, I mean, uh, th- they're all good numbers. One, two, or three. So three of my favourite low numbers there. Um, so uh, I, th- I, th- I think we'll, we'll go with with the highest uh, of, of the set, and we'll go for number three, please. Three, you sure? I, I I feel that that's a good starting point. That's a good starting point. It
2: was a completely three choice. Mm-hmm. Okay, number three. Yep. All right, let's see. Inside, we have a blank piece of paper. And that so is it. Now you are down to one and two. Mm-hmm. Now, a lot of people pick a number and stick with their gut. It's an old it's an trick. You think, oh, it's a 50-50 guess. It's not quite 50-50. Um, as Darren Brown said in one of his stage shows, uh, you're now more likely to change your mind, technically. There's maths behind it, but... I'll tell you, not many people change their mind from their initial gut feeling because they think later on, oh, I shouldn't have changed my mind because, oh, I kicked myself. So, have a number come to your mind, change it a few times. It's totally up to you. The final one is the one we'll go with.
1: Yeah, well, let's see, my my mind has been flipping over backwards and forwards throughout. I (laughs) I was already tempted by number two when I went for number three in the first choice. So that makes me think should I go for number 2 but then my head goes ah no I think being in the middle number 2 is too obvious so go for number 1 so I'm going to go for number 2 <laughs> uh, okay number 2 it is
2: and hopefully <laughs> it's a blank oh. reason and just 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 to just to make you feel a little better that there really was a twenty pound note
1: inside the final one. I see I didn't realise you had that sort of cash about your person, but there we go.
2: This is it. It was a good thing. It was a good thing you lost because um this is lunch.
1: (laughs) They're slightly chewy now, they're plastic, but there we go. (laughs) So I mean Fantastic. A round of applause for that. That is absolutely brilliant. And uh, you know, it, it's uh, d- distanced magic from you know, even further field than you even feel more comfortable. We've got several miles between us now, rather than the 30 foot to the stage, but still an impressive trick. Absolutely loving it. So we, we will hopefully see something of the third part of the uh, Commander of Magic series at some point. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm pushing for what's, you know, parts one and two to be turned into some sort of DVD special if not a national television broadcast, or maybe international. Maybe something could be done here. But yeah, channel four, channel 4, if you're listening, BBC, yeah, give me a ring. I think it could that, work. That brings up a, an interesting point,
2: um, because we're all in this time, uh, and it's Spooktober, uh, and I've been dying to try out some, some spooky effects on people. If there is anyone out there that needs a magician, call me.
1: Absolutely, because I'm
2: available. <laughs>
1: yeah, and you can do socially distance because, uh, yeah, being an actor, you're used to that sort of thing. So uh, there's th- there's opportunity. So where do people find you? How do they get in touch, and what do they do?
2: Find me on uh, find me on Facebook. Send me a message. Uh, if you search Christopher Commande, you'll see um, you'll see probably a representation of Shakespeare <laughs> of my face, but it is me. <laughs> um, send me a message, or uh, you can email me at ccommagic at gmail.com that's c-c-o-m-m-a-g-i-c so it's Chris Commander Magic at gmail.com um and and we'll have a chat because i miss people
1: <laughs> uh, I, I really miss people it's, it's that's you, you just sit there have a chat with your ghost do a few more magic tricks for it the world will be a happy place okay You're, your only friend Chris, always good to talk to you. Thank you again for joining us and have a fantastic rest of the spooktober. Yay, you too. Heidi Brown is somebody who hasn't let her time during lockdown go to waste, producing music and videos and performing an absolute shed load of gigs via both Zoom and Facebook. And she joins me now to tell me more about her music and what's going on. Hello.
3: Hi. How are we doing? Fine, thank you. How are you?
1: I'm good, thank you. Now, uh, obviously, where you are at the moment, it's quite clearly very socially distanced. You're out in the (laughs) the wilds. You've gone for a little walk. (laughs)
3: <laughs> I'm in Wales this weekend, but not in the lockdown part of Wales, in the safe area.
1: So that's good. We're in a, a nice, uh, safe position, which is the way we like it. So what has been going on with your work? Because I know that you, you haven't stopped of late. Um,
3: yes, yeah, so during lockdown, um, I did more gigs probably than I would have done if I was able to gig like live. Um, so I did quite a lot of digital gigs. And prior to lockdown, I hadn't tried... Um, Going live on Facebook and it was something that, that was I found a bit daunting because you've it, got to be kind of like note perfect in case it goes out, like because it could get shared loads of times whereas <laughs> if you just play in a normal gig it's not likely to. Um, but I sort of I had to go at it and realised that a lot of people that know that I play music that hasn't probably gone to my gigs before just happened to click on so I ended up getting a you know expanding my fan base quite a lot. Um, and then more and more venues were doing their own like virtual um, gigs. So I got um, um, I got booked with Matt and Fred's which is a really um, a really good jazz venue in Manchester. So they were doing virtual gigs with like a PayPal um, tip jar. Um, so I got some nice new fans through that. And um, I did an open mic in America, which was cool because people were just messaging, "Oh, I'm from Philadelphia and I'm listening live now. I have to make my dinner." <laughs> Well, that was cool. Um, and then um, there was quite a lot of artist collaboration opportunities because everyone's in the same boat. So I think it made, like, whereas normally you'll be gigging on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You don't tend to go out and watch other, other people live. But um, because people were then, you know, going live on a Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever, we, it, there was more of a sort of sharing community spirit. Um, I did a collaboration with um, a guy called uh, Mark Gallagher, I Um What's it called? Uh, ukulele. Uh-huh. Um, and we did a song in French, um, and that got uh, so we, should, we sort of put that up on YouTube and also just, like shared it on Facebook. Um, and then another singer-songwriter friend of mine called Cara Hammond was doing a weekly um, like songwriters night where she, it was every Monday and she'd have like four featured artists for a 20-minute slot each. So that was good because there were artists from all over the UK, sort of happy. Um, so yeah, I think it was it was quite good like that. It wasn't obviously in terms of the money you'd usually get from gigging, like you just had to do it more for the love, which you know is a good thing really, it makes you re- remember why you do it. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but, but, yeah. <laughs> um but also, money is an important part of it and hopefully off the back of this you'll sell some more music. So first of all, people can look for Peach Brown online and see all of this fantastic history stuff and this will hopefully whet their appetite for the fantastic work that you're doing so you've got music that you've been writing and when it comes down to your inspiration and you know, creating all of this I mean you, you've taken it through to the ne- next next step really I mean you, your sound is fantastic the music is awesome and then you're also creating some, uh, some video footage to go alongside it and, and particularly that's been difficult during lockdown hasn't it?
4: Uh,
3: yes. Um, so during lockdown, uh, we decided to do a music video. Um, luckily, my boyfriend, who usually works away all week, so he works at Warner Brothers, um, he was still so, so he's got like the, the cameras and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually had some time. So we thought, oh, let's just do a music video then. Um, and at that time, it was when we were only allowed to go out for an hour for a walk. So... <laughs> I learned that my parents met us in a field um, and they had to be sort of fancy dressed ready. Um, so it's my parents, my sister, and my niece. And we did a music video for my song Rocking Chair, which I think you're going to play later.
1: We'll take a look at that in a moment, yep. Yeah.
3: We managed to get around the, the social distancing thing because we met in a field. The choreography was all spaced out with like two metres distance. Um, yeah, so we managed to get that done. Like, got all the filming done in pretty much an hour. Um, but we did get a few looks from the walkers because we were dressed as like Victorian, um, Victorian farmers. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: so completely different. A bit of fun. A bit of uh, sort of uh, complete madness, but uh, obviously worked. And so, alongside the tracks, uh, which are, they're all recorded to a fantastic standard. You know, it it really, really worked well. But you've you've still been writing as well, haven't you? And you've got some new work which is going to be coming out soon.
3: Yeah, I, I, I write. So I'm trying not to put myself under any pressure to write because what I tend to do is have a whole backlog of songs that I haven't got a chance to record, and I get worried that I'm going to forget them because I can't notate them. I kind of record them on my phone and try and memorize them. Um, So there are lots of songs that I've I've got five albums out now on iTunes. If you, um, if you look at Heidi Brown. Um, but I've probably got another two albums worth of songs that I haven't recorded yet and then every so often I accidentally write another one and I'm like, no, oh, I've got more to try to remember <laughs> but, that's my worry
1: So it's uh, it, it, it's worth having you know, a great catalogue of music though because as I, say, I know that as soon as things are back to normal you're going to replace all the gigs you were supposed to have done in the summer of 2020 with a, a fantastic 2021, fingers crossed uh, uh, COVID situation allowing.
3: Yeah, it'll be good to get back to gigging, um, but there's definitely been some benefits to doing the, the gigs from home because I'd set up my living room um, all cosy. Um, I'd do my gig, and I might get more people clicking on and, and watching than I would if I went and played like in a music venue. And then afterwards, you just move your keyboard aside and you're on your sofa. You've got nowhere to drive, no gear to <laughs> pack away. So no, it's ideal. So I'm, wor- I'm worried when I do actually get back to gigging, you know, I'll I'll be I'm so spoiled now with cups sitting on my comfy sofa. <laughs> I gonna-
1: that way. It's going to be compulsory <laughs> for the venue to provide the the sette, uh the, the art chocolate for straight after the gig, and uh, the rider is going to involve. I mean, you can do a full on dry care and insist on kittens as well if you want. I think that would work, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
3: I've got a cat answer. I'll probably avoid that one, but I'll think of something similar. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah avoid, avoid cat allergies where possible so uh we we can find you as, as as peach brown heidi brown and
3: peach brown is my personal page so if you're my friend you can add me on that but um <laughs> my, uh, my music page is heidi brown so... which has got an e in brown and um, i've got five five albums which are on itunes amazon Sp- spotify deezer And um, but also if you wanted like the the cd hard copy then you can message me on my music page which is if you look under pages and look up heidi brown heidi
1: brown is what we want that? to check out there that that works for me well i mean it's, it's it's great to catch up with you keep enjoying the countryside around you it's looking fantastic there and uh, in, uh enjoy the music as we are and uh, we're going to take a listen to uh, this track. give us a bit of a background to the song we're going to hear
3: so this song, it's actually quite lockdown appropriate. Um, it's about being stuck in your ways. I kind of wrote it a, a, with the idea of like a um an older person who's maybe got like they've got to, they've got to that stage where they don't change their mindset on anything. They're not going anywhere, but they don't want to go anywhere. Um, oh, just put a filter. On. We've we've
1: suddenly developed a filter. That's yeah, that's that's interesting.
3: I'm not sure how to do it. There we go. Well, I might have to talk for the rest of the time with this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, um, then um, I think because a lot of people are on lockdown down up liking not doing much at all. It's kind of, um, yeah, it's kind of relevant in that way. Well, and now I'm going to look <laughs> at the next song coming up. It's called Rocking
1: That works brilliantly Heidi, thank you for joining us and uh, enjoy the filter and we look forward to hearing more of your music as we head through 2021
3: (laughs) Thank you, thanks for having me
0: Not my nails, that's the question
1: Apple's announcement of the iPhone 12. 5g is suddenly going to become much more talked about because the other half of the phones should be able to do it now to tell us more i'm joined now by susie perry hello
5: hello there how nice to talk to you
1: well, good to talk to you and uh, you may not be in your hometown at the moment i'm guessing but uh yeah obviously uh, 5g helps you keep in touch a lot faster when it comes down to using your devices
5: well yeah we've heard a lot about 5g haven't we over the last 18 months or so and uh, ee rolled it out just over a year ago Um, And now Apple have launched their iPhone that you can connect to 5G. It's all starting to come together. And really it's about the speed and connectivity. It's gonna be a game changer with our mobile phones, with, with the iPhone because, you know, like if you're at the Molyneux, if you're at a football game, you, it'd be hard, wouldn't it, to be able to get video footage out or messages out because it's so congested because everybody's online. Mm-hmm. Well, 5G will take that away and um, we will have much better speed, much better co- uh, connectivity. If you're a gamer, you'll have console gaming on your phone. It will enable the, the things like um, augmented reality and virtual reality to take place on your phone, high-definition video. So for me, this is a big leap. And um, I'm, I can't wait. I'm looking
1: forward to it. Yeah. I mean whether whether you're downloading some uh, you know, MotoGP stuff or anything else that you're involved with, it's going to be fun uh, because it, it's going to be there. In fact, you've been doing uh, a load of stuff from from your home in, in France during lockdown. And uh, obviously that sort of thing, it's so much easier to do when you're on the go and you could be podcasting or video casting from anywhere.
5: Well, that's the thing, I think, you know, we've been trying to do all these big things, but it's been a bit glitchy, you know, the dropout, the cutout, a bit fuzzy images, because essentially the the highway, the superhighway isn't big enough, it's too congested and, you know, 5G will relieve that and, um, well, we'll just be able to use everything and um, on our phones to its capacity. And yeah, during lockdown, I I started to do a sort of live little chat thing and then it ended up becoming quite a big chat chat show called The Breakfast Club, which I might continue with um, in the future in a a different format, because people just seem to love it so much. And I don't think you get that many long form chat shows anymore, you know, you just get these quick bites. And it was lovely to be able to speak to the likes of Carl Fogarty, Steve Ball, Mark Webber, David Coulthard, you know, for for longer periods of time and get some stories out that we'd never heard before. So lots of fun and all on consumer tech. It was all done on my own iPhone. In fact, last year, Jason, I made a film on my iPhone. I went to India and I filmed these tigers and I filmed Mm. the whole adventure and made a sort of 15 minute doc all on the phone it was it was really extraordinary what you can do now
1: yeah and i'd say with 5g that can be downloaded by somebody watching it wherever and obviously with the coverage that we've got from me in wolverhampton we know that we've got the, uh, the the speeds coming through uh or it could be you're, you're uploading and sharing data and whether it's for work or pleasure uh you could be sending that back to uh, base in next to no time at all if you were getting somebody else to edit it whilst working on a tv show somewhere
5: yeah or you even have the capability now to edit on your phone if you had to uh um, um, but, yeah, you, it, it's sort of minimum five times faster than what we're used to. And it can be, you know, up to 10, 20 times faster, depending on where you are. And in Wolverhampton, there's good coverage. So I think that, you know, we will notice a huge difference um, when, when we're trying to connect to anything or, or downloads. Or, I mean, you would be able to download a, a football game, you know, within a minute.
1: Yeah, and I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm a, a very obviously old If I think you might sneakily be just about older to remember the likes of dial-up, and uh, obviously that we, it, the way things have moved on since we were tethered to a computer at home, desperately trying to download a song and that would take over an hour, and now you can have you know music from the likes of Spotify and all the different things that can be included in our phone plans these days. Literally, oh yeah, within the click of a finger, this, this data is on your phone.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's just so much more than a phone. It's funny that we still call it a phone, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's obviously a computer. It's our life in our pockets. And um, Apple have just introduced this A14 bionic chip, which is the smartest chip ever to go into a phone, which just enables everything to work so much better, faster. Uh, you know, the quality of imagery will be so much better with its OLED quality, with its OLED screen. So, you know, it's just it's just launching forward um, Dial-Up I completely remember dial I think I'm older than you Jason I'm, I'm,
1: got... looking, I'm not going to let on to that <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah I do and I, and I go back to the days of my gadget show so 2004 when we you know sort of looking at the new iphone and um comparing it to physical buttons of a a nokia or you know the the phones that we had around at the time and we knew it was all about the apps the applications which no one says application anymore do they (laughs) um but we didn't quite i don't think we even quite foresaw how big a change it would be to our lives but apps have made the biggest difference i think in the last um 15 years don't you to us and it's all very well having all these apps and all these things that we can do, but to not be able to process them, you know, because we don't have the data is frustrating. And now 5G will enable that. We'll be able to use our our iPhones to capacity, which is wonderful news.
1: Yeah, and it works even better than having a, you know, Wi-Fi with you constantly because it, it may work over a short distance, which is the way in which these cells allow us to get the fast data speed because when you've got a big cell, that's what slows things down. But 5G, yes. it's lots of local... You know information just sort of flowing at you and your phone.
5: Yeah, and it will also improve the 4G experience as well because it will relieve the congestion on 4G. So it doesn't mean that you, you know, you have to jump straight away to 5G. Um it will be a process that, that will happen slowly. Um but but yeah, it's it's um I mean it's it's just good news. It's just a big jump for me. It's a game changer mm-hmm. and as as was three G when it came, the third generation. I think the fifth fifth generation is is really important.
1: And with they say the the different options that are there with the the new iPhone and a, a range of prices too. So I mean, this is actually going to be five G uh, more financially accessible than it's been before.
5: Yeah, well they've got the mini. They've brought out this the twelve mini, which I think's really interesting that they've gone they've downsized again. But I'm I'm thinking maybe I'm I might go for the smaller one because. It's nice to have a phone that you can fit in your pocket. Um, you're kind of going back to iPhone five size, but with this, you know, premium technology that's jam-packed inside it. So it's it's interesting and I think I think that's about six nine nine, Jason, I'm not quite sure. Um, but but yeah, it's I mean, technology's, you know, it's always a um, a, a saving pot, isn't it? I think we all know that, especially at the moment. But yeah. the thing that it can do is, is you know, really extraordinary. And I'm into my photography as well, and they've improved the low-light photography because of this new processor. So uh, it's... Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's all
1: good. Yeah, and when you hear phrases banded around, like five nanometer chips and things like that, it just gets confusing for the for the rest of the bulk of us. But we know that small is good when it comes to phones, more packed in, more technology, and uh, a greater way of enjoying the experience. And uh, I'm, I'm an iPhone Pro Max man myself at the moment. I do have the 11 at the, as we speak. So yeah, I'm, that's
5: what I've got as well. <laughs> I, I, I'm
1: looking forward to launch day to see what, what I decide to do and see where we can go, because obviously we can pre-order from Friday, can't we? Yep,
5: yeah, Friday for for the phone two so you can get them on friday and the second two next friday but you know as you would expect with the new iphone it's thinner, smaller lighter um more pixels more clarity in terms of what you're looking at um oh it's got that tougher glass as well the ceramic shield so if you drop your phone you've got four times the chance of not to, not smashing it but really it's the four it's the 5g experience that's important and um and it's about that connectivity and it's about the speed and that's going to be you know, where we see the big differences in this new phone.
1: So where do we go for more information? For
5: more information, go to Apple or EE and uh, find out and choose what you want.
1: Yep, check it out. Get yourself uh, on order and pre-order if you are able to and enjoy a fantastic high-speed phone experience. It sounds like it's going to be blooming good fun, doesn't
3: it? Yeah,
5: I just think it's great that, you know, we're going to be able to use everything to capacity and uh, we're not going to have that frustrating, oh, I've got no data, I can't get online, why? is not working you know that's all <laughs> going to be a thing of the past a bit like when we said Do you remember when we used the dial up you know this is a big jump
1: absolutely it was going to be brilliant 5g in apple products on the way for now susie perry thank you for joining us thanks jason Julian Elcock from the Wolverhampton PQA Pauline Quirk Academy joins me for a bit of a chat about what is going on and how they're working in the current situation. Hello, sir. Hello, how are you doing, mate? I'm good. World treating you well, I trust.
6: Uh, pretty good, actually, at the moment. Yeah, we're doing OK.
1: Which is good. Now, uh, we had a little chat a while back and we've been talking uh, throughout, uh, since lockdown first started actually, about how uh, you've continued to work online. And uh, now you are back in real life for the current term, obviously with schools having gone back as well. Uh, Still working around all the COVID guidelines and things will change a little bit as required. It'll be flexible there. But uh, it must be great having the kids together in a socially distanced way.
6: It's fantastic to get back. We were literally closed for six months almost to the day. Um, and we were able to open again. We got the kids in, um, all the parents were ecstatic just to have some normality back in their lives. Um, we've had to make some changes, but they're fairly cos- cosmetic in a way we, we can, we can change in such a way that the classes feel normal, but the things around them have changed in that way. We protect the kids, but still allow them to have the fun and the enjoyment of the classes. Yeah, I mean, because obviously they are seeing
1: things on TV and whether you're watching something from Bargain Hunt through any of the continuous Mm. uh, dramas, soap operas, they're all being filmed in a a slightly different way. So they're actually probably picking up on the world of drama and uh, the the TV having changed. And so it it probably feels quite normal to them because, I mean, kids adapt much better than us oldies.
6: Oh, absolutely. The first day we opened, I mean, particularly the very little ones, we were slightly concerned that they'd struggle with people being there in masks and uh, hand gels to wipe their hands with. And they all just wandered in as though it was a normal day. And we were, oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were better than anyone else. And it, it's kind of the, the biggest change seemed to be the six to nine, which is probably when kids are becoming more aware of how the world impacts on them um, and they become that much more sensitive. Either side of that, they were great.
1: And uh, through the the work that you're doing, again, building confidence, and also, I mean, I suppose in a social environment that you're having there, uh, it probably helps them when it comes down to their schoolwork and socially distancing in school, because it becomes yeah, so much more normal, and it's the friendlier face of education for them, isn't it, at PQI on a Saturday morning?
6: Uh, absolutely. Um, they just love it, and we've been able to utilise the online facilities to do different stuff, so we've... We had a masterclass a couple of weeks ago with a girl who won the, uh, I have to get this right, the Musical Theatre Appreciation Society uh, competition, which is a big international competition. Um, Amber Morgan, who won that, um, happens to know one of our teachers. And so she said, I'm going to do a masterclass with the kids, but we can't do that in person. But we did that over Zoom on a Friday night. Or We decided we'd do that as a thank you to all the kids who'd stuck with us. So we... Um, we arranged that for them and they had this fantastic masterclass. but then the next morning they were back in pqa in their little in their bubbles kept separate by two meters where they have to be moving around the academy so they don't meet each other but getting to see you know see each other and put some of that into practice so a chance to to expand on what they're doing and the age groups
1: that you have obviously they're, they're also getting to the point at which they're into their teens as you mentioned. Uh, which means they have to start thinking about what they're going to do next. And if they are looking to go forward in the world of the arts, then uh, you've mm-hmm. also got a, a great event coming up later on uh, in the year just to allow them to do all this, again, virtually, and to have a, a kind of convention where they can actually get involved and chat to a number of different training institutions.
6: Yeah, it came about one of the kids actually over summer asked for some advice as he was looking to move on to next year's, or in fact to university this year, and he contacted us and said, what can we do? And I said, OK, let, leave it with us. We'll come up with something. And we, came, we got a couple of people in to have a chat. But we realized that schools are becoming, frankly, obsessed with STEM subjects. And it, the arts are just getting pushed further and further and further to the side. And from talking to the kids around that, we realised that they were not getting the right messages and they were not learning about the arts. So we've put together, we're putting together a two week uh, conference season. I suppose is a bit, is a decent word for it, um, where we're bringing in lots of the big drama schools to come to talk to the kids in an evening. So it's after school, so parents can be home as well and can join in and learn as learn as well. And they will come in at, online and meet representatives from each of these drama schools and be able to ask them any questions they want to about applying, auditioning, being a student, how you fund yourself, how you look after your money, anything at all they want to. Um, And we're we're expanding it not just to the kids who are ready to go to university, but also to the kids younger who are looking at choosing A-levels or looking at choosing GCSEs so they can plan ahead and have this in their mind all the way through. Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, all schools will have a STEM set of subjects and an arts plan at the yeah. same time. I mean, I, I did you know, maths, chemistry, physics at GCSE, and uh, and then yeah. went on to A level. But it didn't stop me from a GCSE doing painting and drawing, printmaking, which was my area of the arts that I felt most comfortable doing. Right. And, uh, you know, there are opportunities there like that. And then even when it comes down to uh, choosing A-levels, actually these days with A-levels and AS-levels, you can run these two things in in parallel and and have an interest both in science and the arts at the same time. So uh, it it, it gives you the opportunity to to have a, a broader education and the opportunities in the arts if you're looking for it.
6: Well, I think these days you're almost looking at a situation where if you want the arts education, you have to go outside of some of the schools to look for it because uh, we are are now starting to pick up kids in their sort of early teens who are saying, well, I can't do GCSE drama or I can't do a level drama because the school are not offering it anymore or they're making it so hard to pick it within the scheme of the, the subjects on offer that I just can't do it. And so they're coming to us now to try and to get that escape into the arts as well as sciences. I I did sciences. I did three. I did biology, chemistry, physics at day level, um, and and studied physics initially uh, before moving over to this. And it's it, it's very interesting to see how little arts education and particularly how little arts information is in the schools these days. And so we thought it's time to redress that balance.
1: So this is something that you're going to be able to do. Is this open only to members of PQA?
6: It's open only to members of PQA. Yes, um, we are certainly this year. It's the first year we're going to keep it within our within our sphere. Uh, we're opening it up to other PQAs, and we know there are there's quite a few locally, and we're opening it to them as well, um, so that we can get quite a lot of kids involved and, and make that opportunity. Hopefully, in future years, we'll be able to open it outside as well.
1: And before you know it, the, you know, those who are coming to look will want to maybe get involved anyway and come and join you mm. for a PQA class or two before they do head off and do the next step. And you say, if, they, well, if it's, if it's a younger ones who are also looking at it, as you're know, thinking of GCSEs, they've got a few years with you yeah. as well before they then do move off, and it could be a great. Thing to run us alongside what they're doing, and uh, mm. an opportunity to create a, a show reel as well, which I know is often the case with
6: the work that you do with these kids. Yeah, I mean, long term, certainly looking at the younger ones, they can come to us. They, um, if they, if they stay with us for three, something like three years, if they will probably at that age have done um, the, the Rada Shakespeare Awards, which is something that we we offer uniquely. Uh, it will, they'll have done the West End show. I mean, imagine having that on your CV when you're applying to do. Uh, an arts course or a drama course that you've actually performed on a West End stage in a full-blown musical. Um, they might, if they're able to do it, have gone to the Edinburgh Fringe and performed there as well. All things that we do, uh, well, not in COVID, but <laughs> at other times, the, we do every year.
1: In the normal world, remember that it it will be back Absolutely. hopefully not too far away. Absolutely. But I uh, say, even though, yeah. even throughout, I mean, you've you've kept things. Uh, to the point at which they are, they're having some great times with the, the classes that yeah. they did when lockdown was at its tightest. So, you know, Absol- even, absolutely. If we, even if we go right. back there, we know that you've got the resource to be able to do that.
6: Well, we have a facility whereby we can shift all our lessons online at a moment's notice um, and run with everybody, with all the teachers online, bring all the kids in, separate them into their groups, move them around in in rooms on a on a online format and and do all of that and we've we've tried that out with some of the kids earlier this year we actually did the edinburgh show that we took last year and re-recorded it as a radio show and it was on the it ran at the edinburgh fringe again this year virtually um they've moved that online and was massively successful on the fringe so we've had that up there again this year even in the middle of this
1: well, we expect nothing less because we know what PQA do and how well you work and how hard you work and the quality of the uh, the teaching that you bring. So where can people go to find out more and get their kids involved in these fantastic classes?
6: It's one of those things you can go so many places, but the the main thing is go to the website, which is www.pqacademy.com. Uh, there is a, a location a box. You type in your postcode, it will bring you to Wolverhampton and you can have a look at the uh, the academy and see all about us. Equally, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Pinterest, we're on what's the other one, Twitter. Um, <laughs> Everywhere, you can find us on any of those, and there's links to us on there, so you you can get hold of me very easily, or you can just call me directly on zero seven eight three eight one one five one five two. Simple as that. Give us that number again. It's zero seven eight three eight one one five one five two.
1: Well, Julian Alcock, Principal of PQA Wolverhampton, thank you for joining us.
6: No problem. Nice to talk to you, mate.
1: More than a quarter of the hospitality sector's smallest business owners at 27% feel their businesses may not survive past Christmas, and 27% also admit financial uncertainty has caused them to feel anxious or fearful. Tell us more about this survey and some of the options that they may have before them. I'm joined now by Fleur Lord and Head of Public Affairs at Smart Energy GB and pub owner as well as bartending TV star Merlin Griffiths. Good afternoon to you both. Good
7: afternoon.
1: So first of all, uh, Merlin, tell us a bit about the sort of things that seems to be hitting this sector, because obviously... Obviously, we've been uh, you know, t- you know, tentatively waiting for what's going to happen with the the latest government guidelines, and it's not the worst news we could have seen with everything that's happening from Wednesday. But it's still not brilliant, is it?
7: No, I'd agree with you there. Hey, it's not the best news, but let's face it, we've we've been taking a hammering as a trade since March. Um, you know, and it's and I think it's something that everybody in the trade is sort of, I dare I dare say, it, getting slightly inured to, which we shouldn't, um, because right now. There's so much about this that you, you can't control. Um, and I found the best way through it for me is to just look at what I sort of can. It's, it's been a real chance to take a good, hard and honest look at my business as a landlord.
1: Yeah because I mean normally you would pack people into a pub or venue as far as your capacity allows to build an atmosphere and and, and bring on here you know, putting on the show as, as a mixologist I mean that is part of it isn't it you're providing entertainment
7: Yeah you're right and and trying to do this under reduced capacity um with table service and so on it forces you to look at things in in new ways um, but also from the business side of things it forces you to look at things in new ways I was very surprised from the survey to see uh, that uh only about 20 have looked so far, for instance, to professional support in taking control of their finances. Um, Only about a third of us in this survey have actually taken control of their finances. Um, And that really is what this is about. I think more people should be doing that. From our side, the first things that we looked at, rent, talk to your landlord, stop, sort them out. Absolutely, you've got to look after them. They're, they're key to your business. And then after that, I'm looking at my utilities and what have you there. What can I do? Um, we've booked a smart meter installed for our place already. Uh, and, and then outside of that, you've got to look after your mental health too as well, I think. So there's a lot of stress with this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is about trying to pull away from that stress, take away the concerns. But equally still, the, the work ethic in the hospital industry is just intense, isn't it? I mean, you, you're looking at a group of people who work crazy hours. It's not just the party time that you see. It's before, after, and the hell you go through during sometimes.
7: Ah, You're not wrong there, Jason. I think we're hardwired to work 24-7 sometimes. It just sort of goes with the territory. Um, But I think now more than ever, even if you don't realise it, subconsciously there's this sort of little bubbling stress around the whole pandemic and and how you operate through it. And I found it really important to find at, at least a little bit of space once a week to do something that brings you joy. If that's something just as simple as reading the paper on your own with a coffee in a garden or or taking a walk around a park, in my case, I like to go for a cycle. Um, It it takes my mind off things.
1: yeah, it is have that switch off, get a chance to actually make a change. And, and Fleur, when uh, you're looking at things like your utilities, uh, which uh, which Merlin mentioned there, I mean, smart energy GB, supporting people getting smart meters into their businesses and homes, and really giving them chance to, to be able to monitor something, but then take all some of the pressure off because you know where you are.
4: Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, from, from the research as well, about four and five said that, that they needed more certainty about sort of their estimated costs coming through from businesses as well. And that's includes energy and what smart meters do is actually give you uh, more visibility they give you data on actually what energy you're using so it means that you get an accurate bill rather than an estimated bill so you know what your costs you can know what your costs are coming up and you can actually you know feel more certain about that have visibility on that as well
1: and with that visibility comes the ability to change and to, to to monitor. And you know that neon sign that you may have outside your facility—great when you're open, maybe less so when you're closed. So it makes you actually think about switching these things off
4: it does oh, absolutely. absolutely yeah i mean it makes you it makes you understand actually what things cost because without that visibility without understanding sort of what things cost you, you don't know what to do about them do you we had a lovely case study of um a bakery and during lockdown they'd had to turn everything off and that was the first time ever that they'd actually turned everything off but it then showed them actually how much things were costing and now they've started turning items off overnight and things like that so actually they are making small changes but small changes can really help uh, during these times of uncertainty as well
7: yeah this is this is. A- a huge part of it because you think there's small gains but marginal gains are everything here um, and that's something that i also found with this um, another practical real world example for you as well did the chef leave the extracts on overnight they cost a fortune to run honestly yep. now i know <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> and I say it's, it's that it's that uh, control you need to have over your business at uh, all your home and uh, yeah, they, they, again the, the sort of things that you can do you can pick up on it can be quite surprising and uh, earlier what, what are the surprises you have other than the extractor
7: fan uh, other surprises there honestly can you compress your fridge and freezer space and so on, you see it's it's all these little marginal gains and, and you just turn them off coffee machines there's, there's a temptation actually I mean these these are big devices You're talking two, three kilowatt devices in most places with a proper Italian machine do you need to run it all night do you not there's there's an argument on both sides there I think there's savings to be had do you need to turn certain things on at the beginning of service or can that wait a couple of hours actually until you need the device in your restaurant um, so there's there's a number of ways that you look at this, um, you know, yeah, certain lighting, do you actually need to leave it on at night? Do you want timer switches on certain lightings for security? Uh, there's a raft of different things. And when you start drilling into it, you find more and more and more ways that you can now save and monitor this. And monitor how much you're
1: saving. Yeah, and then you mentioned a simple timer switch. Uh, if you've got an illuminated front sign, yes, you want people to know you're there until maybe one o'clock in the morning when they've all gone home. But between the hours of like two and five, two and six, there's going to be no one around to see it. So you know, make sure that switches off, cuts the cost on your bills, and uh, can you know, help with still promoting the business, which we all need to know is there. But uh, then uh, you know, make sure we cut that cost wherever possible. And I mean that that, that this hospitality uh, take time, take control campaign. I mean. Uh, Merlin I mean, you, you obviously clearly believe in this and this is about running uh, a, one of these the hospitality venues as a full business and not thinking it's always a bit of fun because it, 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 it isn't you work too hard for that
7: no, absolutely. I mean, for all of us in this trade, I think um, and most of us are small businessmen, um, that less than 50 employees up and down the country. We know this is our livelihoods. It's, it's, it's much more of a lifestyle than it ever is just a simple business choice or going to work. Um, so yeah, it is very important to control your costs and get it right.
1: So Flo, where can we find out more about this survey and of course the, uh, the opportunities to get our smart energy GB smart meter into our business and homes?
4: Yes, yeah, so absolutely. If um, if you want more information about smart meters and smart meters for small businesses, you could look at smartenergygb.org. But the most important thing is to contact your energy supplier to see if you're eligible for a smart meter and have a chat to them as well.
1: And of course, that is no cost to you. And uh, the, uh, the smart meter goes in. And before you know it, you are really starting to, be able to track where you're going with your business.
4: Absolutely. You're being able to take control and actually see what are those little things, as Merlin was talking about, that you can change within your business to really help you at this time.
1: Lawton, Head of Public Affairs at Smart NGGB, and Merlin Griffiths, Pub Owner, Bartending TV Star, Mixologist. Thank you both for joining us. Thank
7: you. Thank you.
1: Well, that's your offer for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 592 next week. I'll see you then. Bye so Goodbye from the milk bar.
0: Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah.